hold hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 82, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing well, Brennan. How are you? Well, I'll be really happy if we don't have to record this a third time. (laughs) (laughs) And we're not even talking about those tiny Irish creatures. But it was that kind of a thing. Oh yeah, no, we we had uh, this is in fact the second time we're recording this part of the show because we we had a little bit of audio trouble. I I think all the spending time inside has fried my brain. Right, I hear you. You know, I I mean, I, it was bad enough. You know, last couple of days I've been running around in a you know tri corner hat with a cardboard sword. But uh, <laughs> have you been declaring things the property of Rebelstoke? Well, my current specialty is popping out of dark closets and screaming "Armity!" Your wife must be thrilled. Uh, yeah, that's one word. That's one word. Um, I'm going to have to come crash with you for a while once all this is over. <laughs> Until the divorce is final. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> will be the, the very first turducken divorce. Oh, you know, I know they, they keep talking about turducken babies, but I think you're going to see turducken relationship explosions too. Oh, I no, 100%. I mean, we're so lucky. In, in all seriousness, we, we get along really, really well. Uh, and you know, we can either, I mean, we don't have a big apartment, but one of us can go to this, I can go to the office, the yeah. spare room or, you know, the bedroom or whatever. She can go to the bedroom. Yeah. So there's a little bit of separation, but I know there are some people who are not good at staying out of each other's way. Oh, I know. Or, or, you know, I think too, if your relationship is already a little bit in trouble, <laughs> oh yeah, this was yeah, not going to yeah. help you. A little extra pressure there. Exactly. God help us. Yeah. And, and as, as far as the, the babies thing go, I, I got to say, I, I don't know if a global calamity is what I would call an aphrodisiac. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I got this all wrong, but uh, I, I haven't exactly been thrown on the Barry White myself the last couple <laughs> of weeks. There. I think some people just don't, you know, they don't have, you know, the, the a whole lot of forethought about it. They're just bored and yeah, it's something to do. <laughs> well, OK, fair enough. <laughs> We're bored, so we're going to create a human life. I mean, exactly. And then there are keep a lot of great board games out there. 25 years. Ugh, <laughs> That's almost as scary as the subject matter today. Mm hmm. Uh, the subject for today's show is, of course, shadow people. We had a couple shows sort of in the pipeline about various locations, but we thought, ah, you know, those locations, things ain't great right now. So instead of uh, being ghoulish about the whole thing, we thought, let's, let's switch it up. And the shadow people are always reliable, terrifying reliable always and as you said you have never had an experience with shadow people i have not and um in fact i had never heard of shadow people until i met you bringing so many great things into your life (laughs) well i mean i know it's not just you because since um we started this show we probably get a, a shadow person story a week so there's a lot of people out there who've experienced it but i had never even heard of it before Oh, that's crazy. I yeah. mind you, I, I had neither until I had uh until I started researching my book, a strange little place available everywhere fine books are sold. 
Never. No one can go there anyway. <laughs> they can get the Kindle version. <laughs> Which is probably good because I think the hard copies are gone. I had a quick look on Amazon.com and there are only resellers selling them now. So I think that there are no more fresh copies. It wow. Sad, Thankfully, sad you do have some fresh copies. And if people want them, they can get them through our online store and you'll even sign them for them. I will, although the online store is closed until Turducken dies down. Oh, really? Yeah, remember we talked about this last episode. Oh, We're yeah. not sending anything. I do remember anything. now. Never mind. They're still available for purchase. You just get them a little later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> As you mentioned, we do get a lot of listener stories about shadow people. And because of that, about half the material on today's show is listener generated. Uh, there's just some great stuff ranging from you know, fairly benign, hey, I saw a guy in a hallway, to full-on sweet zombie Jesus, that thing has knives for hands, or, or needles for hands, at least. <laughs> yes. So it, it really runs the range. There's some really great stuff that I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys. So when we come back from the break, the shadows know. Welcome back. As we said before the break, this episode is all about shadow people, that most persistent of terrors on this show. Before we get there, though, I thought we'd actually just kind of share what we've been doing. I mean, the specifics of this, of course, we'll share for the uh, the Cabin Fever episode for patrons, uh, which you can become if you head on over to Patreon. <laughs> but um, how have you been coping with this? Obviously, we're still stuck inside. I mean, I- I'm no longer in forced quarantine, which is great. Yeah. Better. Um, I think uh, a couple things. I mean, we're moving into week four of working from home now, and we're both working from home. So I did a few sort of self care things. Uh, one, I bought a new laptop, and uh, turns out it's a gamer laptop. So I guess that makes me cool. I don't know. It has a nothing colorful... will ever make you cool. It has a super gay keyboard. It just keeps revolving through. <laughs> Through rainbow colors. So that was good enough for me. That's so I can go work outside in the backyard or whatever. And then the other thing I started doing just yesterday, I can't believe it took me this long to figure it out, was uh, go for a walk at lunchtime. Go for an hour walk. Um, Oh, that's huge. Yeah. And that's made a big difference. The funny thing was, though, rather stupidly, I decided our plan was walk for half an hour, stop wherever we were at, turn around and come back. Well, we got a lot further than I thought we would. And we got sort of a quarter of the way around through this lake. Jeez, why? There's actual hills there. That sounds like hell. It's brutal. It's up and down and brutal. So my legs are on fire. And then, of course, I live on the top of a very steep hill. So just when you're just about ready to drop dead, you then have to climb another hill. Um, I cannot imagine having to walk up your goddamn road. I I don't like driving up that. No, it's a lot. It's a lot. But so today we did the same thing, but we went on the goose, the galloping goose, which is our regional bike trail. It is mercifully flat because it's an old railroad line. And it was great. It was just nice to be outside. It was nice to get the blood pumping. It was it was the right thing to do. So, yeah. um, And then the other thing we're done, we had a lot of discussions about this and, and really struggled with this a bit, but we decided to go back and do food delivery because I can't do ghost walks, obviously. Um, I've taken on my own food delivery position. So we do it at the same time now, but we use walkie-talkies to stay in touch. 
You big nerds. <laughs> you um, big they don't work goddamn very well. nerds. They I was going to say, well. yeah. They, I mean, they're they're fine if you're in reasonable proximity, but uh, unless you got some some high end walkie talkies, they're, they're not uh, not great for distance. Well, and you would think we would have high end walkie talkies because we have high end everything else, but apparently no. Someone cheaped out on something, <laughs> but we really struggled with it because I'm like, eh, I don't want to put myself at risk, and and yeah, yeah, you, you're uh, you you got. Health issues. Yeah, bro- broken potty syndrome, I like to call it. Um, <laughs> That's right. And, uh, but you know what? The people I was delivering to are like moms with three little kids under the age of three. And, oh, and, yeah. and one lady was like, I'd come down and let you in, but I can't walk. And it's like, oh my God, oh, no, God. it's fine. Yeah. I, I will bring it up. Um, but uh, on the whole, that's who's ordering this stuff is people who really don't have any other opportunity for whatever reason. They're taking care of someone who's sick or they're, and everyone's really cool with contactless. So you just leave it on the front doorstep, ring the doorbell, walk away. And right. as soon as I get in the car, I'm purelling everything. So <laughs> yeah, fair um, enough. We've got a mask now. So we got masks. So yeah, I'm feeling, oh, cool. I'm feeling good about it. Oh, good. Yeah. No, I, and, and I how start- about you? Cause you've been, you've been pretty severely trapped for a while. Yeah, well, we were in full in full on lockdown for two weeks because yeah. uh, my wife had a, had the possible exposure at work, and it, it does seem the person never got ill enough to be tested, but it does seem like they like they had the virus. Uh, that said, we never thankfully never manifested oh, any symptoms. Good, good. So either we were asymptomatic or we just didn't have it. Period. Right. Um, either way, that's up now, so I can go for walks, which is really nice. Uh, although I can't, I'm not quite back to work yet because. Uh, my driver's license only just arrived. Oh no! I, yeah, it expired while we were in quarantine. Because my plan was, I usually leave it till about a week before it it expires. And of course, my birthday passed while we were in quarantine. It expired on my birthday, so it was just no good. Right. And then, right. Right. Um, you told me you mentioned to me they had a program in place where you can renew it uh, over the phone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now I will be out in the world. I'm just waiting for uh, waiting for the new schedule, and then I too will be out there and. Uh, we shall see. I, I'm nervous about it. I don't mind telling you. And now, in uh, what way? About the health stuff? Yeah, that's pretty much it. But right. I need to get out of the house and, uh, you know, the money would be good and, you know, people need food. So Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> it, it, it all makes sense. It's just, uh, you know, again, I think because I was forced inside for those first two weeks, it, it, it almost became like a defense. I get that. And, and they're talking about that. They're talking about how people are going to have sort of long-term mental effects from this oh yeah yeah where people aren't just going to be able to jump back into into life and and there's going to be a real struggle i think for a while oh sure absolutely and and, i mean obviously we're not going to spend a lot of time too much more time at least on this because you come here for ghost stories not for the bullshit that's (laughs) on the news but i know there's a lot of pressure on people to come up with a, a new hobby or a new something out of all of this right and and i got to say don't feel pressure to do any of that shit you know if if someone tells you hey man you're inside all night all day you should have written a book or something fuck that guy mm-hmm. you're like this is literally a global crisis mm-hmm. and exactly i mean maybe some people can you know live their best life and and take advantage of that time um but not everyone can. And, and just because you can't at a moment, too, doesn't mean you can't for the the duration of the thing. Right. I, I just, they're just sort of saying to people, like, be patient with yourselves. Don't, yeah. don't, don't go there again. Go out there and think, well, Jesus, now I need to learn how to bake fucking bread. This isn't Little House on the Prairie. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I think, though, for some people, I mean, it gives you that. It's the same reason that I like simulation games, because <laughs> you end up feeling like you can actually do something. <laughs> 
Right. Fair enough. You have some control and bread is pretty labor intensive, but it's also very comforting. So I do understand it. I mean, I I have been comfortable being uh, lame and powerless for so long. (laughs) This is your natural way of being. I'm like an (laughs) unsuperhero. I'm a superhero at being a non-superhero. Excellent. Well, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of me too, Ian. (laughs) Not all heroes wear capes. And now on to the stories. Our first shadow person story is from Olivia. I was about 14 when this story happened. I was attending a three-day youth leadership conference in Massachusetts with my friends over the summer. The University of Massachusetts hosted the event, so we all stayed in their hall-style dorms. Each room was a double, but my three friends and I managed to cram four mattresses in, so my friend Aaron and I slept on the beds while Claire and Emma slept on the mattresses on the floor. We all had a great time staying up past midnight, talking about boys and school and our favorite shows, but eventually everyone else fell asleep. I, however, did not feel tired at all, which was completely unlike me. Usually I can't function past 10 p.m. In an attempt to preoccupy myself while waiting for the melatonin to set in, I pulled out my phone and scrolled through my newsfeed. When I realized I wasn't getting any more sleepy, I remembered my mom telling me that your phone's light screws with your brain when it's trying to sleep, so I put it away. Rolling over on my side, I tried to get comfortable and waited for the darkness to lull me to sleep instead. As soon as my eyes adjusted to the lack of light, however, I wanted to scream. There in front of me was a tall, disgustingly skinny shadow standing at the foot of my bed. It had some kind of mockery of a human silhouette, but one that was much too stretched out. I immediately froze. I had no idea what to do. My solution was to hope it didn't notice I was awake, pretend I was sleeping, roll over and put the covers over my head. I desperately wanted to believe that if I acted like I was asleep, it would leave me alone. Eventually, I thought enough time had passed that it must have left. Or, if it was just my imagination, it would have gone away by now. Peeking over the covers, I breathed a sigh of relief to find it gone and turned on my side facing my roommates. There it was again. Standing in between the gap of me and Aaron, facing Claire and Emma, its head was bent slightly down, staring at the two girls on the floor. Seeing it again gave me an intense wave of nausea. I was about to turn over. I felt so sick. Then suddenly... It reached out for them. Needles are the only way I can describe its hands. They were long and sharp, much larger than a human hand. This time I screamed, and this time it noticed. The creature whipped around to face my direction. I dove back into the covers before I could see its face, or before it could see mine. What did those blankets have to protect me? Physically? Probably nothing. But psychologically, I was spared from the mental torment of looking at this thing. Again, I was trapped under the covers. The air was hot and thick, and I wanted to throw up. I didn't emerge for hours. When dawn broke at 6 a.m., it filtered into the room and made the other girls stir. Eventually, I heard Claire stumble around, and I jumped out of bed. Turn on the lights, I screamed. She complied, and we all hissed at the blinding fluorescent light. I questioned if they saw anything. If any of them had been awake that night, no one was. 
I was the only one to bear witness to the whole event. I never elaborated about what had happened and dismissed the girl's concern, saying it was just a nightmare. This is the first time I've ever told the full story. This experience was the catalyst for my interest in the paranormal. It was so real and in my face to the point where I could no longer deny anything. There was nothing to rationalize, nothing to overanalyze, and point out room for mistakes. So thank you for sharing that with us, Olivia. And and it really does seem like shadow people are often you know, the catalyst for people who, uh, who are going to end up believing, you know, cause that, that was very much my experience. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because for a long time I was very skeptical. I mean, I know, uh, sometimes people who write in will give me shit for this, for being a little more, uh, a, a little more, um, you know, maybe slow to come around on certain things. Right. But when I, in 2012 saw this shadow person, I, I, I just, it completely shook the foundations of, of, you know, how I understood the world. Well, we've talked before about like, why are shadow people around? And maybe that's why they're like the big guns. It fits too, that I would need two of them. (laughs) Oh, naturally. They're like, oh, he looks pretty tough. We better uh, hit him hard. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's that necessarily. I think it's, you know, they sent the first guy, he appeared in the corner of my vision. I thought, well, that's scary. I'm going to pretend I didn't see that. The guys up in the control room are thinking, oh shit. Okay. Well, send Earl, send, send another one <laughs> to literally to jump on me. And that, that accomplished it. That's awesome. I got to say though, that the needle hands is a terrifying idea. Yeah. Cause like what is going on there? Yeah. And I wonder if that's a perception thing, you know, if he didn't actually have needles for hands, but rather it was a sort of like, um, how can I put it? Kind of like, uh, that's as much as you could see, you know, maybe like the edges are a little blurry. Yeah. So the things kind of come, they appear as needles because otherwise that, or they're breeding some terrifying goddamn contraptions on the other side of the veil. (laughs) Well, there you go. Go with that. Think about that tonight late. Freddy Krueger just mated with a box of syringes and he's like, well, hey, (laughs) he did so love the world. He gave them his only son. (laughs) And nothing was ever the same again. So thanks again for that, Olivia. This story comes from Jennifer. My brother is about two years older than me. When we were growing up, our dad and our grandfather worked at a radio station in our hometown in southeast Kentucky. As it was just a few streets over from our school and our grandmother lived in the apartment above the station, my brother and I spent a lot of time there growing up. I have many fond memories of typing out nonsense on my dad's bulky word processor and sitting on his knee as he recorded commercials in one of the studios. The building was constructed in the mid-1950s, but I'm unsure of its history before it was occupied by the radio station. It's a two-story, red brick, and otherwise unassuming building on a quiet main street in a sleepy little town. As I said before, our grandmother lived in the apartment on the second story, and I never felt or experienced anything strange there. Downstairs, however, was a different story. Though I never saw anything myself, I always felt a strange presence any time I stepped into the hallway where the studios were. It was a prickly, uncomfortable feeling, not unlike being watched. I did not like to be back there alone, and it had nothing to do with the lack of lighting. Having always loved a good ghost story, I'd heard passing mentions of an infamous shadow figure, but I never heard anything very detailed until my brother told me the story. This probably took place in the late 1990s. My brother was in the FM studio with one of the employees, which was not unusual. We were both very precocious kids and had no problem talking to adults. He had been standing in front of the window that separated the FM studio from the commercial studio. The lady he was talking to suddenly stopped talking and asked him to move, so he did. They both looked through the window into the corridor and could clearly see what looked like a shadow passing in front of the commercial studio heading toward the FM studio and the back door. 
Having heard stories of the shadow, they both shrugged it off. A few minutes passed and they were interrupted when another employee came into the studio. She was very pale and seemed shaken. She asked them if Paul, our grandfather, still station manager at the time, had left for the day. When they told her yes, she said she had just seen that shadow everyone keeps talking about. She went on to explain that as she was stepping out of the bathroom, someone damn near knocked her over. She excused herself, thinking she had bumped into her grandfather, but when she looked up, well, no one was there. Since then, the radio station has moved into a brand new high-tech building directly across the street. After my grandmother passed away, we emptied out her apartment, and the building was sold. It became office space for the city utilities department, although a peek into the glass front door will tell you it's mostly used for storage. Anytime I visit home now, I make it a point to go see my dad at work. The new radio station has lots of natural lighting throughout the building, and a noted lack of scary-ass dark corridors. So thank you for sharing that with us, Jennifer. I got to say, though, I, I want to speak up on behalf of scary-ass dark corridors. <laughs> That's where I look best. Oh, that makes sense. I'm telling you, you, you know, you want a great photo shoot with Brent, scary-ass dark corridors. Some were dark, some were scary. I get it. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yep, just a little lingering terror helps my... <laughs> really, really brings out the uh, color of your eyes. <laughs> yeah, such as they are. <laughs> Uh, Jennifer describing her, her granddad's station really mm -hmm. reminds me of when I was a kid, my grandfather uh, owned the um, re a real estate office at Revelstoke. Right. And so I would go and bug him at work when I was a really little kid, you know, when he wasn't busy. And I remember the same thing. She talks about sitting on her, on her uh, granddad's knee as he did um, advertisements. And I would hang out in his office and play with a typewriter. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. always a, a fun thing to do because, you know, I was a kid and I was stupid. But uh, <laughs> it's it's funny how we, we, you know, we have these common experiences of, of sort of family and, and uh, things like this. Thanks again, Jennifer. Our next story comes from Ruth. Hello, my name is Ruth. There is a story that y'all spoke about on episode 69 about the shadows standing in the doorway while two people were in the bedroom. I always thought I was crazy that I was the only one who saw them, but now I feel better. When I was 13, I was in the living room on the couch watching cartoons in the morning. My mom was there, but she was cleaning somewhere else in the house, so I was alone in the living room. It was daylight, and the front door was open, but the screen door was locked so no one could come in. As I was watching cartoons, I heard a knock on that door. When I looked, I saw six shadow figures in the daylight. They were perfectly outlined, so I can tell it was definitely six people, but just their shadows. Three of them were maybe 5'4", five, 5'6", five, and the other three were short, like children. I stared at them from the couch. I didn't know what they were or why they were there, unmoving and watching me in a perfectly uniform way, the three tall in the back and the three short in the front. At the moment, I didn't feel afraid because it was daylight and the door was locked, so I called my mom. They were inside of me when I did this. But I turned my head for an instant, and when I heard her coming and I looked back, they were gone. After that, I was confused, but I didn't think much of it. That night, I went to bed as normal, but somehow, by morning, ended up on the floor, with my covers, without ever waking up. When I did finally wake up, it was with a feeling I should peek from under the covers. When I did, there was a pair of black shadow feet waiting. I froze closed my eyes and looked again, but it was still there. After what felt like hours of hiding, I looked a third time and it was gone. But I will never forget that image and always wanted to know who they are and why they appeared in daylight. 
Imagine that. You get a knock at your door and six shadow people going, have you accepted Jesus Christ as the <laughs> Lord and Savior? Have you accepted the Lord of darkness into your heart? Well, that, sound, that sounds like my kind of party. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me more. That is freaky and weird. The daytime stuff always gets me. It, it seems like a violation somehow, you know, like this shit should be relegated to nighttime. Right. I agree. I agree. I do wonder though if this lends some credence to our idea that this thing is some kind of some or some of these things at least are some kind of like time mistake. Okay. You know, because I mean, was it that six shadow people were knocking on the door? Why would they, you know, why would they be there? Why would they not just be inside, you know? Right. Or or is it just that somehow through some machination of the universe, she saw a time when there were six people standing outside the door? Mhm. I mean, of course mm-hmm. it doesn't explain why she saw it you know, in the, on the, like in the bedroom on the floor. All very weird. But the fact that that happened in the morning and then she experienced that that night. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. They, they yeah. would have to be related. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you again for sharing that with us, Ruth. Out of the basement. When I was 15, my half sister, Emily lost her dad to a heart attack. At the time we were living with our mom in an old house outside the city. And Emily, who was seven and easily scared to begin with, really had a hard time. She started asking if she could sleep with me on nights when the fear got bad. My bed was huge for my age, a queen-size hand-me-down, and she went to bed much earlier than me, so I said it was fine. On one of those occasions, I woke up at some point in the middle of the night for what felt like, at first, no real reason. As my eyes adjusted to the dark, I saw what looked like a shadow of a person standing in the corner of my room. I went for my phone flashlight quick as possible, but the thing was gone. A year later, the same thing happened in the same corner. It didn't do anything, just lurked there at the far end of the room. I didn't even really have time to react. I closed my eyes for a second, and the next thing I knew, it was the morning. The next night it happened again, but this time the shadow looked like a girl, or at least like it had long hair. It still vanished just as quickly, though. That night, I couldn't go back to sleep because I was afraid it would come back, and I didn't know how that would go. Things changed after that. My TV would turn on by itself, I'd find drawers open which I had closed, and you could hear sounds in the wall, like rats. Then, a few weeks later, I was getting ready for school when something happened I'll never forget. Living out in the country as we do, you get used to having to get up really early in time for the bus, which, for me, meant it's not unusual to be almost up and ready by 6am. It was around that time I heard the scream. It was muffled, and seemed to come from our basement. I'm a member of the local 4-H club and a competitive target shooter, so I owned a gun and the closet where it was kept was my first stop. At the same time, I grabbed my flashlight and went back to the basement door, which I quietly opened. After taking the first couple steps downstairs, I realized it was too dark to go any further without the flashlight, so I flicked it on. There, right in front of me, in the darkness, was a little girl's face. I'm not proud of this, but I was so scared I dropped my gun and ran like hell. I actually had to get mom to grab it for me later in the day, and she gave me supreme shit for being careless with it. Since then, I've been avoiding the basement, but then about a week ago, our furnace crapped out and needed to be manually turned back on. My mom showed me how to fix it a long time ago, and it's easy to do, but you have to be downstairs to do it. I really didn't want to go down there, but she wasn't home and it was too cold to have the furnace off for long, so the responsibility fell to me. At first, it was fine. I fixed the furnace started back up the stairs, but then another blood-curdling scream erupted from behind me, and I bolted. I am never going back down those goddamn stairs again. 
Yeah, there's something to be said for not ever having a basement. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, my house is built on a slab. I'm grateful. We don't even have a crawl space. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, crawl space isn't happening. No. I mean, <laughs> I, I'll, I'd rather have a brace, uh, pardon me, a full-on basement than a crawl space. Crawl space is, is a serial killer accessory. That or to breed spiders, because I feel like these are the only things that happen in a crawl space. <laughs> And I love, too, then that story, and this isn't a listener story, so we can make fun of it a little bit. Um, I love that um, the the guy was so scared he dropped the gun. (laughs) Maybe you shouldn't have a gun if you're going to be running around dropping it. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure it hurts getting hit in the head with a thrown gun, but I don't know if that's necessarily the design they had in mind. The Man from the Light When my siblings and I were young, our father used to have to take business trips out of town, sometimes for a day or two, sometimes for up to a week. That might sound like a bummer that our dad wasn't around, but that wasn't the case. Sometimes he would turn those longer trips away into a family vacation, and we would get to go with him. He'd be gone during the day in meetings or whatever it was he was doing, and we'd get to explore the city with my mom. This story happened during one of those trips. We were in a hotel suite in Denver, Colorado. My mom, dad, sister Maddie, brother Michael, and I, when we saw the man from the light. Mom and dad were out, enjoying some time alone, and the three of us were in the suite's bedroom watching TV. The room was an unremarkable suite with a bedroom and living room with the bathroom off the living room rather than being en suite. At one point in the afternoon, my brother Michael, who was older, wandered out of the bedroom to go use the toilet, leaving our door open. From where we sat on the bed, Maddie and I could see the beige living room and front door to the suite, but paid absolutely no attention to it, at least until the light came. It arrived in a burst, a harsh white glow where the suite's front door should be, followed by what sounded like that door opening. Then, from out of that light stepped a tall man, well over six feet, who had no visible features. He was entirely black. From his silhouette, it looked like he was wearing a trench coat and fedora and carrying something that looked like a briefcase. Maddie and I were frozen. We were, whether in shock or by something else, I don't know. So when the figure turned its head toward us, all we could do is sit there. The shadow man seemed to regard us for a few seconds, and then walked into the suite. Our eyes followed him for one, two, three feet. Then he simply popped out of existence, and so did the light that seemed to have brought him. Maddie and I began to cry and scream for Michael. That was the first and last time in my life I've seen the man from the light. Do you remember that show, My Pet Monster? I feel like it. you were probably a little too old to watch this as a you cartoon. Were, yeah, wasn't it a cartoon? It was, yeah. It was about I this think little, I watched it with my kid, yeah. Yeah, this little like teddy bear that had handcuffs. It was actually kind of a kinky show now that I think of it. <laughs> and when you took the handcuffs off, he became real. Oh, okay. And um, then he was constantly being pursued by this guy called Beaster. Right. And Beaster would always appear in this sort of like f- white portal of light oh. on a wall or in the air. And then he'd jump out of it. And he always, you know, then he would do his thing, which again, big hairy guy, Beaster. No, there there was some stuff happening there that I was not <laughs> aware of when I was younger, which explains a lot about the man I've become. That's, that's a whole other <laughs> Sour Night. Before I get to my actual story, I want to say that I'm well aware of what sleep paralysis is and how some people use that to hand wave away any and all experiences with shadow people. Now, I'm no expert, and I'm sure some sleep paralysis is just your brain misfiring. 
But that doesn't explain what happened to my boyfriend Dan and I in the early 2000s. At the time, we were living in Oregon, in a small apartment we were renting from Dan's brother. It was a comfortable little one-bedroom with a small bench seating area in the kitchen, and a bright bedroom that got a lot of natural light. All in all, it was a good place to be. He and I split years ago, but remain friends, and I have fond memories of our time together, and that place. On this particular night, however, it was anything but comfortable. At some time in the early morning, maybe two or three, Dan and I woke up simultaneously into what I can only describe as shared sleep paralysis. We could not move, and standing in the doorway that separated the bedroom from the kitchen was the shadow of a man. It was tall, maybe even seven feet, and somehow darker than even the unlit room around it. Behind it, I could see into the kitchen, our little bench breakfast area and the normality it promised somehow a thousand miles away. The figure wore a hat, something like a fedora or cowboy hat, and what was either a cape or a long coat. Whatever it wore and whatever it was, I have never been more afraid of anything in my life. It radiated something I can only describe as hatred, pure, unfiltered hatred directed at us. We couldn't move or speak, so I tried to pray, but the thoughts fell apart like poorly fired clay. All my other thoughts strung together just fine, but the moment I tried to protect myself, the words would not come in the order I needed. It's like this thing was somehow keeping them from me. The thing eventually disappeared, and when it did, Dan and I could finally speak and move. We didn't go back to sleep again that night. The thing never came back, but it's burned into my memory because shared sleep paralysis doesn't fit that hand-waving, it's-just-your-brain explanation people always try to give me. In writing this, it has occurred to me that we actually split within six months of that happening, and I have to wonder if the souring experience of that night with a shadow was somehow to blame. I have never, ever heard of shared sleep paralysis. No, it's just crazy. And I'm, I'm fascinated by the idea that the presence of this thing or its appearance somehow soured their relationship mm-hmm. because I, I know the very first time I saw the thing that I describe as bats, I'm pretty sure preceded the beginning of my own depression. Right. Right. Yeah. Like when, I was, when I was, when I was a kid, I'm pretty sure that was a thing. Cause there, there was a point in my, in my youth where I went from being a, you know, sort of class clown type kid to very, very quiet, very introspective kid. Right. And I feel like that, I'm pretty sure that that's, that fits the timeline. Yeah. No, I get and, it. And I know that one time the shadow person actually touched me, you know, I marked the beginning of a horrible, horrible black depression that I had not experienced since again, since I was a teenager. So yeah, I just wonder if if they are somehow causing it or if they come, if we see them at points of contention, but I I guess that wouldn't explain this idea of having pure hatred beamed at it. Yeah, no, I know. I, I, and to not even be able to form like a prayer or anything, like nothing positive, that's pretty freaky. That, that was really scary. Yeah. Because, because we, you know, most of these stories, we, we get people who kind of, um, they pull the covers over their head or they yell something religious at it and it goes away, which is great. Yeah. But yeah, no, that would be no. no. It, it reminds me when I was a kid, I used to have terrible nightmares about, uh, Freddy Krueger. Right. Yeah, I used to have terrible, terrible nightmares about Freddy Krueger. And because, uh, of course, you know, they let me watch the goddamn movies when I was a kid. <laughs> they always happened in my room. You know, it, it was a very real world setting. It wasn't fantastical in the slightest. It was just this thing would come out from under my bed and kind of look like Freddy Krueger. And I remember trying to pray and this thing laughing. Really? And, 
Oh yeah, I'd I'd actually kind of forgotten about this until just now. So you know, thanks for that story. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I remember. The, yeah, I would pray, and I mean, I you know, I was raised in the Catholic Church, so you know, I I know prayers. Yeah, and it just yeah, yeah, I remember this thing laughing at me and it having absolutely no effect, and that was such a a hopeless feeling, a powerless feeling. So yeah. Anyways, that's we're bringing up the mood here today. Yeah, yeah. Well, this story is a little bit different than the others. It's a little darker. Like there's no power here. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. no. It's it's a it's a sort of a different flavor. And I think the remainder of the stories we have coming up are kind of a piece with that. I think oh, they're fairly oh good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> like I said, things things were going a little too well, so a little too positive. <laughs> the Watcher. That the house I grew up in was haunted, I have no doubts. Enough weird stuff occurred to me and the rest of the family that it couldn't be dismissed. The experience I'm about to describe, however, is my only encounter with what I would call evil. The event took place shortly after my 12th birthday, while I was in the living room watching ALF on TV with my family. During a commercial break, I got up to go to the bathroom, and immediately after entering the hallway, I felt the hairs on the back of my neck go up. Turning to my right, toward the bathroom, I saw a figure standing there. It was huge, maybe six and a half feet tall and all black, except for its red eyes. Apart from its head and shoulders, the thing was formless, and it radiated absolute evil. Once I'd seen it, something about that creature froze me completely. I couldn't even blink, and the air around me felt dense and heavy. No sound seemed to reach me. I don't know how long I stood there, but finally the thing seemed to dart down the other part of the hall that branched off this one towards my parents' room and I was free. I ran like hell back into the living room to see if maybe one of my family members had somehow pranked me, but they were all there and seemed totally unaware of what had just happened. That day shook me more than any other experience in my early life, so much so that I never spoke about it until a couple of years ago when I told my mother. We were standing in the kitchen of her new apartment, the sun streaming in through the big window above the sink, and her face fell. In an instant, she went from my mother to looking panicked and somehow hunted. When I asked what was wrong, it took a while for her to respond, and when she did, it was to say that my sister had seen the same thing just after her own 12th birthday. It appeared to her, standing in her bedroom door, only once. But just as with me, that was enough to permanently imprint the thing in her memory. I'm 30 now, and no matter how many times I cast my mind back to that night, it gives me chills. And I wonder what the Shadow Man wanted, and why it only visited us. Well, I mean, if we've learned anything from the stories tonight, he's visited plenty of people. Yeah. (laughs) This is like a really shitty version of Santa Claus. He hits all the houses. I I think maybe they meant her and her sister. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, not Not, the parents. Not mom and dad. Yeah, I mean, I, it, there always seems to be that that thing about kids, right? The things kids see, the thing kids don't see. Yeah. And this guy's got some real issues because he was climbing in that uh, college girl's bedroom in the first story. Now he's creeping on these little girls. Like, th- this guy should be on a watch list. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> so we've only got one more story for you tonight. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's a long one. It's, it's a listener story that's quite lengthy. So we're going to do what we did at the end of the last show. And uh, if you haven't listened to the last show, for shame. <laughs> then you're not a real fan. That's right. I see you there. We're, <laughs> we're kidding. Welcome to the show. <laughs> you, you did not pick our best episode on which to join us, but here we are all the same. 
Like my mom said when introducing me and my brother, they can't all be winners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is going to be our last story for tonight, and this is from Kirsten. I would like to start off by saying I know my story might be hard to believe for most. To be honest, it sometimes feels like it all happened a lifetime ago and could just have been a bad dream. But sadly, I'm reminded of its authenticity as my mom and cousins all remember the same things as me with only slightly varying details. For example, my mom only remembers slamming cupboards in the kitchen, but my cousins and I remember the pots and pans being thrown around. It's been over 10 years since we moved out of that house, but I remember it all vividly. I was born in Whitehorse, Yukon, but moved to Calgary, Alberta with my mom and stepdad when I was six. We moved into a small two-bedroom basement suite in a quiet family neighborhood, and life was pretty good. Unfortunately, it wasn't to last, as the owners of the house sold it, and we needed to move with little notice. Luckily, there was a cheap ground floor apartment quite literally across the street. My parents asked me if I wanted to come to the viewing with them, and I was so excited. A bigger room, a large yard, and I wouldn't have to move schools. Later that same day, after viewing the house, I was lying in bed, my parents asleep in their room next to mine. The house was dark and quiet, but I just couldn't sleep. I rolled over in bed and glanced out of my open bedroom door into the living room. And that's when I saw it. A tall, pitch black man with beady, glowing red eyes peeking around the door frame to stare at me. A sudden sense of crippling fear came over me, and I couldn't move. I couldn't even blink. It pulled quickly back around the corner, and the feeling of impending doom lifted from me in an instant. Looking back on it years later, I still try to rationalize what it could have been, but can't come up with anything that makes any sense. The glowing red eyes couldn't have been the glow from the TV power button, as the TV was on the other side of the living room and couldn't be seen from my room. Plus, the head was too high up, and there were two glowing eyes, and only one button on the television. I was young at the time, but looking back, I can remember a pretty distinct change in me during that month before we moved into the house across the street. I was no longer a happy kid and started getting bullied really badly at school. Some of the kids were people I thought to be my closest friends. I started having horrible nightmares and sleepwalking. One day, my stepdad found me sleepwalking at the top of the basement stairs, unlocking the outside door and about to step outside barefoot in my PJs. The new building had three levels that were each their own apartment. We moved into the main floor apartment, and the landlord, who was an older gentleman, lived in the basement suite. During our first night in the new apartment, my mom and I both heard what sounded like someone in the kitchen, walking around and slamming the kitchen cupboards. I was freaked out, but my mom assured me it must have been our new upstairs neighbor getting a late night snack. Later that day, we tried to introduce ourselves to our upstairs neighbor, only to discover that no one was living there. My stepdad was a truck driver, and shortly after moving into the house across the street, he was given the overnight delivery shift to the farming communities around Calgary. And every night my mom and I were alone, we heard that slamming. One night I was awoken to the sound of someone cooking in the kitchen. I thought it was my stepdad getting home early from work, so I rolled over and fell back asleep. The next morning during breakfast, my stepdad told me he had come home from work to find all of the cupboard doors in the kitchen wide open. Things all over the countertop and the pots and pans all across the floor. He thought I had done it, but of course I hadn't. My mom and I were both so scared that I started sleeping in my mom's bed every night my stepdad was working. We would cuddle and try to ignore the sounds coming from the kitchen. One morning I woke up a little earlier than my mom. The sunlight was just starting to stream through the window above my head. And as I laid there enjoying the rare quiet in the house, I was feeling a little uneasy. And my eyes kept drifting to the corner of the room closest to my side of the bed. 
I finally decided to try and shake it off and get a little more sleep. But just as I was starting to drift, something tugged on my hair hard enough to pull my head back. I quickly turned back around to look at the corner, but I couldn't see anything. My sense of fear and unease was overwhelming, but I didn't know what to do. How do you fight something you can't see? I scooted closer to my mom, put my back to hers, unwilling to turn away from that corner again, and fell back asleep. Eventually, odd things started happening during the daytime, too. We would all be sitting in the living room watching television when things would go flying across the room. Sometimes it would be things on the coffee table that would be swept off by some unseen hands. Other times we would hear a loud crash in the kitchen, only to find things from the counter on the other side of the room on the floor. Another frequent occurrence is I would be sat on the couch in the living room watching TV, and people would come back from the bathroom or bedrooms looking confused. Each time they would swear they'd see me walking into the kitchen, around the corner, and into the pantry. They would follow what they thought was me into the pantry, only to discover it was empty, and there was no way for me to get from that end of the house into the living room without walking past them. By the time I was 12, I was an extremely unhappy kid. The bullying followed me into junior high, and I was dealing with sexual harassment from some boys in my class, although I didn't know that's what it was at the time. It was around this time that things got even worse at the house, if you can believe it. Once I had a particularly rough one at school, and wanted to have a shower when I got home to wash away the day. My mom and stepdad weren't home, and I hated being in the house alone, so I would play music to drown out the knocks and bangs happening in other areas of the house. Sometimes I would bring our cat into the bathroom to keep me company and make me feel less alone and frightened. I was just about to finish up my shower when the shower curtain moved, as though the bathroom door had opened, and I saw a shadow cross from the door towards the toilet on the other side. We're the kind of family that isn't ashamed to use the bathroom with each other in there, so I assumed it was my mom and didn't think anything of it, but when I stuck my head out of the curtain, no one was there. The cat, however, had her hackles up, just staring at the side of the bathroom where the toilet was. I turned off the water and got out of there as fast as I could. On a separate occasion, I was home alone while my mom and stepdad went grocery shopping. I was on the phone with my best friend and a boy I liked, listening to music and being awkward preteens. We were having fun until my best friend asked me who was in the room with me. She and the boy said they could hear someone muttering in the background. and It was creeping them out. I thought it must have been the music I was listening to getting distorted through the phone, so I got up to go grab a different CD from the living room. Cell phone in hand, I opened my bedroom door and was about to step through it when I was shoved by unseen hands. I hit the door frame and landed sprawling on the floor. It took me a moment to realize I must have hit my knee on the door frame as I had a cut across it and I was bleeding. I told my friends I needed to go and hung up to call my mom, but unfortunately she didn't answer. I hung up in her voicemail to try calling my stepdad, and that's when the kitchen exploded with the sound of pots and pans being thrown everywhere. The kitchen was only just around the corner from where I sat on the hallway floor holding my bleeding knee. I was petrified and slowly dialed my stepdad's number and waited in fear as it rang, but he didn't answer. I called my friend back and in a whisper begged her and her parents to come save me. I told them there was someone in the house, but because I couldn't bring myself to tell them what actually happened, even if I did, would they even have believed me? They only lived four blocks away and were there in what was probably only a couple minutes, but to me felt like an eternity. When they arrived, my friend opened the door with our spare key, and as soon as her dad entered the house, everything stopped. From the doorway, he could see the mess in the kitchen, and me huddled on the floor. He quickly crossed the room and helped me up. We exited the house together and joined my friend and her mom on the lawn. I was just about to explain to them what had happened when my parents got home. 
Together, my stepdad and friends went back into the house, but there was no one there. I refused to ever be in the house alone after that night. A year or so later, I was lying in bed talking to a boy on the phone. It was late on a school night, so I was whispering us to not get in trouble. Towards the end of our call, he said it sounded like there had been someone talking in the background the whole time we were on the phone, and it was starting to really creep him out. I tried not to think of the incident from the year before when my friend said she'd heard something similar. We said our goodbyes and I curled up to fall asleep. I used to sleep on my tummy with my head under the pillow and my toes tucked between the mattress and the bed frame. I was just about to fall asleep when all of a sudden I could feel two cold hands grab my ankles. I was pulled half a foot down my bed before I even had a chance to scream. I laid there, motionless, on my belly for a moment as I tried to catch my breath and slow my heart. I remember thinking to myself, you just twitched in your sleep and woke yourself up. Go back to bed. But when I went to roll over, I realized my legs were hanging off the foot of the bed up to my shins. I have no way to rationalize that experience away. The cycle of smudging and waiting for the next major terrifying event went on for years. My stepdad didn't believe my mom and I when we said that there was something in the house. Even when he would see things with his own eyes, he would fall back on his blind skepticism. As the house was always freezing, he would blame everything on a really bad draft. Years after we moved out of that house, my mom confessed to me that some nights she would wake up and look out of their bedroom door into the kitchen where she would see a tall shadow man staring at us while we slept. I'm sorry, but how does a draft equal a shadow man or getting pulled down the bed? Eventually, my little sister was born the year I turned 15, and the poltergeist activity started to quieten down. However, mild things would still happen from time to time. We had a few different upstairs neighbors come and go over the years, but no one ever stayed longer than a couple of months. Thankfully, the shadow man didn't follow us when we moved out of that house. But now that my little sister is 12 years old, things sometimes happen around her like they did to me. Well, that is uh, that is an ordeal. And thank you for sharing that with us, Kristen. No kidding. Ooh. I, I hope your sister doesn't have to go through the same shit you did because that... that I mean, I, I know a little bit about some of that, you know, just the uh, the misery and, and reaching a certain age and just everything going sideways. So hopefully, hopefully she avoids that. But so much of that story really, really resonated with me. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, something in your life just changes. Yeah. You know, and she talks about fighting her friends kind of turning on her. And I had actually something happened like that when I was a kid. Um, I can't remember how old I was, but again, I think it may have been around this time. Uh, sort of the time of the shadow, the shadow bad things. But my best friend at the time kind of did the same thing. He sort of turned on me and you know, there was, cause we were always kind of outcast kids, right? Yeah. And, um, he kind of joined with the other group, the cool group. Oh my God. The same thing happened to me in grade mm, seven. No shit. Yeah. I walked to school with this kid every year for like two years. And then he started hanging out with this other couple of kids who were cool and I wasn't. And, um, that was that he would either not come to the door cause you know, I would walk to his house and then we'd walk to school together every sure. day and he would either leave early or he would, um, say he wasn't ready and I should go on without him. And I caught on pretty quick. I'm not stupid. Sure. But it yeah. still was really painful. That's fucked up. Yeah. Kids are awful. I did. No, they no, really be- are. I beat the shit out of my guy. Did you beat the shit out of yours? <laughs> no, I just got cool. Oh, okay. See, I, I didn't do that, so I had to turn to violence. <laughs> I just became totally like, you know what? I don't need this. And I just started to do my own thing. I was like, whatever. No. Yeah. No, good for you. I, I, I pummeled the shit out of him. So 
<laughs> I just snapped. I'm a lover, not a fighter. I just couldn't do that. Um, I mean, I'm Italian. Theoretically, that's that's supposed to be our thing too. But I remember just like sobbing and beating the crap out of me. It must have been a terrifying sight. <laughs> this is this beefy little I don't know. Whatever, oh my 10, god, year that's old, so funny. Crying, <laughs> tears running down my face, and I'm punching the shit out of my former best. Yeah, it was a uh, was an experience. All right, it was a whole thing. Okay, well, thanks for that. This has been therapy with, <laughs> with Brennan Store. That's right. <laughs> so no, thank you so much for that, Kirsten. It, it sounds absolutely fucking terrifying. The, it really does. The fact that like the, the the kitchen thing, the the things jumping around the house or being thrown around the house, and stepdad just sticking his head in the sand and saying, "Nope, can't make me see it." <laughs> Jesus, I mean, what does it take? I get it though. I mean, people do that because they just can't put it anywhere in their brains so i guess and i mean I, and i hate moving so if i had to ignore a poltergeist so i didn't have to move i mean i'd probably do it yeah yeah i know but that that is surpassingly awful and, uh, <laughs> huge kudos to you to living through it Kristen. so mm-hmm. thank you for, thank you so much for sharing that with us and, and for for sharing your your experiences surrounding it too i know it's not easy to talk about awful shit that happens to us and we we appreciate you uh trusting us with that All right, well, that's going to do it for this year's Shadow People episode. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with our patron shoutouts and listener mail. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, to the rest of the team, Luke Greensmith, Anthony Germain, and Sarah Kent, for your work on this and every episode. We couldn't do it without you. Mm -hmm. We especially could not have reached this most recent milestone without them. We have finally hit a million downloads for the show, which is just wild to think about. It's... It doesn't seem possible that um, people could have downloaded the show a million times. Yeah. And it's not just like me refreshing and downloading and refreshing. (laughs) No one's got time for that. Well, I mean, right now we kind of (laughs) do. Maybe you do. Yep, moving on. (laughs) But really, though, it's super cool. So thank you, everyone, for helping our little show get to a million downloads. It's it's that's just great. You know, I mean, as we've said before, there are bigger shows out there. We're not even the you know in the top ten paranormal shows. But who gives a shit? We're just happy to be here, and we're happy you keep coming back. Really grateful. Thank you. In that vein, we have our patron shoutouts. Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but we'd especially like to thank our new patrons. And I got to say, there have been a shitload of new patrons, and I was not expecting this whatsoever. No, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I'll do the big thanks afterwards, but yeah, this was unexpected. Yeah. They are... Jeanette Patterson. Johanna Siscano. Diana Johnston. Hannah Warren. Anne Ramey. Megan. Susan Yee. Dana. Cody P. Celie Long. Aang M. Koina Harris. Lindsay White. Travis Bumgardner. Megan Bush, Robin Roberts, Jordan Akins, Shannon Velon, and Nicole Hawkins. Thank you so much, everyone. I, I, again, I'm bowled over because, you know, we said on the last episode that uh, we sort of anticipated the Patreon would contract. Yes, because, we did. You know, As no one, usual, we totally know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but no, it, it's incredible that you help us out. It, it means so much to us, especially now. And if you want to join the team, Head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys. That's patreon.com slash ghost story guys. We have tiers at the 1, 5, 10, 20, and $50 levels. 
You get all kinds of cool stuff. The physical rewards are on hold, uh, at least for a little while until things are a little less crazy. Uh, you know, we're not um, we're not shipping out the majority of physical rewards, but your non-physical rewards, you get things like our monthly Cabin Fever episode, which is me and Ian shooting the shit about all the stuff that doesn't fit into the main show anymore. Those episodes are anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes long. And I know last month we did two of them uh, because, hey, apparently there's something going on in the world. <laughs> so we can't do the live show? Well, there's that too. That We will be have a live show this month. And in just Cabin Fever episodes alone, there are hours and hours of content. And that's if you don't include the monthly Luke Lore episode, which is a monthly podcast where Luke does a deep dive into the folklore topic of his choosing. Uh, that's also available now as a regular podcast for everyone else. You can find Luke Lore pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. But the new episodes are Patreon exclusive for the first 30 days. You also get our monthly live show, which we should be back doing this month, where we found a way to stream from two locations. So that'll be fun. And again, that's an opportunity for us to hang out with you guys. Tell us you know, what's going on in your life. Tell us what's going on in your quarantine. We'll tell you about what's going on in ours. <laughs> and generally just, yeah, just hang out for a little bit. At the higher levels, you also get a copy of Ian's smash hit Christian country album, Aware of Wonder. <laughs> and those are uh, the high quality digital files, the original digital files, not the not the uh, the downgraded ones transferred from a cassette that you'll find in all the major streaming services. And then once things uh, once things pick back up, we're thinking probably a couple weeks is when we'll start delivering these again. You'll also get things like exclusive stickers designed by Canadian artist Wanda Fraser, signed art cards, My Night Photography, and a whole bunch more. So to find more info on that, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story, guys. Next up, we have listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. Of course, we'd like to thank everyone who sends us email. It just reminds us that you're out there enjoying the show, and that makes a world of difference. It helps, it helps keep us sane, you know? And so we'd like to thank the following people who got in touch this time around. They are Maria, Terry, Emma, Denise, Raluca, Nat, Allison, Carolyn, Jade, Anna, Amanda, Virginia, Lori, Mythica, and Lynn. So thanks again for reaching out with your comments, your questions, your gentle criticisms. We love hearing from you. And if you want to get in touch, send us an email at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ghoststoryguys and Instagram at instagram.com slash theghoststoryguys. But the best way to send us stories is via the email or by calling the ghost line. There's something strange in your neighborhood. We're going to call ghost line. Call one triple eight five. Thanks to our listener, Amber Pease, for our ghost line theme. Of course, you can call the ghost line at one 588 6920 If you want to leave your story or your comment as one or a series of voicemails, you can call back as many times as you like, and that is a toll-free number. You can also text us at 925-553-4789. That's a U.S. number, so if you're outside the U.S., you may have to pay international texting fees depending on your plan. But uh, feel free to send us a text. You can text us pictures. And people have been using it. It's it's super cool. We actually had someone ask us if uh, we could start using uh, captions for the visually impaired on our Stellar Instagram page. And uh, we, I am looking into that. I have no idea how to write those. Uh, cool. But I am definitely going to be doing that. Thank I you for you asking. Do it. I believe you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> 
And we had a text today from a listener who said, just want to say I love your guys' show and storytelling skills. It's getting me through the isolating loneliness of being on maternity leave while the entire world is on lockdown. And holy shit, that sounds like a tough one. So, Oh, no kidding. We're glad we can provide a little bit of relief for you. And we hope you're doing okay out there in the world, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Again, that's one 588 6920 if you want to leave a voicemail. Or you can send us a text at 925-553-4789. We originally weren't going to push the merchandise for the next couple episodes just because, you know, there are more important things happening in the world. But we have had a couple people order from there in, over the last week. So we thought we may as well mention it. If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys swag, head on over to ghoststoryguys.redbubble.com. We have all kinds of stuff there. We have t-shirts, mugs, all kinds of jazz. And again, we, we understand. We certainly don't expect anyone to buy anything in these trying times. But if you do want something, ghoststoryguys.redbubble.com is the place to go. And actually, in the coming weeks, we will have um, a bit of a a bit of an evolution of the Ghost Story Guys shopping experience happening. But uh, we'll talk about that more when when the time comes. I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Derek Hayes of Monsters Among Us and Shannon from Into the Fray. They had me on a uh, uh, a video panel show a little while ago, maybe about a week and a half ago. Uh, it was sort of an hour-long thing where we were talking about the Fresno Nightcrawler and mm-hmm. Ghost Lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was cool to get to talk to some of these people. There was, um, I want to say Brent from Hysteria 51. There was Sapphire from Stories with Sapphire. Rob from Our Strange Skies. It was a great crew. We had a lot of fun. Talked a lot of spooky stuff. And if you want to see that rebroadcast, I believe you can find it at the Monsters Among Us Facebook page. Nice. Our theme song, Radio, Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter of Pizzanta Music. You can find more from him at soundcloud.com slash Music. Our story's theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. You can find more from them at hexagram.bandcamp.com or by searching for them on any major streaming platform. That's Hexagram with two X's, not three. All other music and sound effects on this show are provided courtesy of Epidemic Sound. If you're looking for pod-safe music and sound effects for your next project, head on over to epidemicsound.com and check them out. I think that's it. We'll be back in two weeks with another show, and until then, into the darkness we go. Jesus Christ, you have pedal. I, you know what? You're on some next level shit, man. I don't want to. <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen this movie. <laughs> I've seen a variation on it. How different would Ghostbusters have been if Ray, Egon, and the guys had just had like a bunch of Glocks? Mm-hmm. They just turned sideways and busted Caps and Slimer's ass. I, I've watched that movie. <laughs> Everything the light touches is your story. <laughs> Finally. (laughs) It's your time to shine. (laughs) You're dancing. One step, two step. I don't know how dancing works. (laughs) Fuck you. All right. Well, thanks for that. But as we said, this is our last story of the night. And (laughs) (laughs) you son of a bitch.